You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back with episode 43. Episode 43. So when we recorded the last episode, I was literally had my backpack and everything packed and heading out your door to Vegas. And I tell you what, it was a uh, a lot of fun. It was it's right now Vegas is dirt cheap on prices, so if you want to go, you should probably take a look at that. But I will say I was kind of shocked just to see how strict they were on the mask. I did not I mean like I say, I'm not going to get political and say whether you should or shouldn't be. But coming from Texas, where it's just you play poker without it, uh, I was kind of shocked that, you know, just that that was still like a big, big thing there. Well, what I was going to say to you is like whenever we played Texas, whenever the masks were still a big thing in Houston, I mean, just how important it is, I think, to have a a comfortable mask. Because I have a very comfortable mask. and I mean, it doesn't bother me at all to wear it or not wear it. I mean, I almost don't even know what's on. That was going to be, I mean, my question is, what kind of mask did you have to where it was kind of bothering you or at least playing some factor? I think it was like one of those like kind of hospital type masks. I must have got out of my car or something. It's a, uh, and it was, it's not uncomfortable, but it is, it's a tight enough fit that it feels comfortable and like more secure. But then like after two to three hours, after like maybe about two hours, it starts to wear on your ears a little bit. Well, I know you've had the cloth masks before. Cause you had the one from Ch- Champions, right? What, isn't that one more comfortable than the hospital one? The Champions one was nice, but it was so loose that it felt like it was falling down all the time. So I would say, and I don't even know where the hell it is now anymore. So I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I need to find I need to find one that's a little bit more comfortable, especially if I go back. I'm sure you're going to. But at least they didn't have the plexiglass. That's a big upgrade, at least. Because that made it almost impossible to play, right? Oh, I mean, if it's the plexiglass, I'm just never going back. I mean, you didn't like it. I hated it with a passion. I mean, to me, it was like playing online poker. There's no... I mean, because when we're playing poker and you're playing right, for the most part, you are doing a lot of folding, and it can be boring. Right, it's extremely boring. Uh... The one thing that kind of helps is the environment, and sometimes if there's a good conversation, talking to people or interacting. I mean, when those pe- plexiglass, you are interacting with nobody. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I will just never, I mean, I don't know. It would just not be worth it to ever, if that was my only option for a long period of time, maybe. But that's about, that's what it would have to take. Right, but uh, yeah, as far as going out of your way to play there. But, um how was the trip overall? The trip was really good. Uh, so I get into Vegas uh, Monday night. Go ahead and check in. I stayed at Bally's, uh, which was nice. I, I never uh, I stayed there because I like the location. I never. St- it's one of the few I've never stayed at before. Not a big fan of the casino, but I go ahead and check in there and then go ahead and head to Caesars to uh, do some playing, and I don't always find a really good game at Caesars, but I walked into this game, and it wasn't that good because it wasn't deep, very deep stacked, 
but there were a lot of players who had no idea what they were doing. I mean, barely knew the rules. So, I mean, that really made it a much better game. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see that. But, yeah, Caesars is definitely one that limits the buy-in to basically 100 big blinds. Because I remember when I went and played 2-5 over there, it was limited to 100 big blinds. Yeah, 1-3, I believe, does the exact same thing. It's a... Uh... Well, it used to be... I think it tries to keep it cheap, because that used to be the nicest casino, I would say, that you could play 1-2 at. And you can no longer do 1-2 over there. It's 1-3. So I think they kind of want to keep it, you know, more accessible. You know, because a lot of the big players are going to go to win, Aria, Bellagio, anyways. They want to keep it more accessible to the cheaper players, I think. Right, well, I just... I mean, I guess I remember back in the day whenever, like, I wouldn't buy in that deep, how having people with a lot of chips would kind of annoy me. I, or maybe not annoy me, but I would feel like they were bullying me. But I guess now I don't really care how deep someone buys in. Does it bother you? Uh, no, not at all. I just, I mean, there's a lot of people that be like, well, if you buy in, you're bullying the table or whatever. And my, thing is we'll wait for a good hand if they're doing they're either doing uh, usually when they say that they're doing this a lot i'm like wait for a good hand and go all in when they do that yeah i mean that's my th i mean like when people ask what the table limit is i always just tell them whatever your bank account allows i mean it doesn't matter to me what you buy them for and a lot of places in houston are like that but i know caesar's had a very low buy or maximum buy-in just i can understand how that would kind of maybe appeal to some of the people trying to buy in for a hundred big blinds? Well, we look at it different now because it's been profitable for us in the last two years. Uh, I remember when poker was literally just a hobby. I did not think of anything of making money doing it. Uh, in, in that essence, I would go to Vegas because you could play one too, and I could just play do my hobby for a lot cheaper. So, I mean, I think it does appeal to a lot of you know, recreational players just to have cheaper games with lower with lower buy-ins. I mean, because I, I guess I can kind of see, from me and your standpoint, it would be profitable to have somebody who's just trying to bully the table because you just wait for the right hand, you go over the top, and it, you should be able to print money. But a lot of these people aren't wanting to do that. They're not looking at trying to be a profit. They're looking at wanting to see a lot of flops and have a good time. So... It's hard to look at it from two different perspectives, but I guess I kind of see it. Well, no, because I, I was just saying, because I kind of remember it from that perspective, but now I don't even really... I remember I used to not like it just because I remember always being put in a position to where I'd have to play for all my chips just because I felt like they had a lot of chips. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you are in that position a lot. I mean, that's 100% true. But, yeah, kind of interesting. But, all right, so how did Caesars end up for you? Uh, Caesars ended up really good. It was a... Uh... A really, like I say, a very easy re uh, recreational table. Let me see if there's any. Like, I got two notes from the session. Uh, uh, one was kind of interesting. I have ace four of spades. I make it 15, get two callers. Flop 10, 6, 4 with one spade. Someone donk leads into me for 20. I make a call. I mean, I've got... The backdoor flush draw. I've got I've got equity in the four. I mean, a four makes a trip and trips, and I can uh, hit two pair with the ace. Uh, and the other player calls. Uh, turn fl the the turn is a four, so I hit trips instantly. 
the player bets 40, I go ahead and just put in a call, and the other player folds. The river's a six, the player jams, and I snap it off. I mean, I'm not I'm not just calling that turn to, you know, fold any river. Uh, and he has 2-2 two -two for what was a, just a... He was kind of a younger guy, and I think, you know, wanting to kind of prove he could bluff and all that. So he has 2-2 two -two for an underpair to the board. <laughs> for 2-2. So, two -two. <laughs> so this is a pretty... So as you can tell, this is a pretty good game. Uh, I end up uh, cashing out for about $350 profit. It was actually a really good game, but I was still pretty damn tired. I mean, we we worked long hours on the weekend, and I was ready to uh, go ahead and call, call it after that. So, the next day, I go to Aria. So, Aria, I would say almost, as much as everybody likes playing there, I think consistently has the worst games that I've seen. Yeah, I was going to... I remember I didn't even go there just last time because everyone was talking about that, how all the a lot of grinders tend to end up there. Yeah, I think it's one of the nicer rooms. But, yeah, it's... Versus the other rooms, I mean, it just... I don't know, it seems like... I guess the 1-3 isn't bad, bad, but not as good as the other rooms that I've seen. Uh, and, I mean, I get hammered. I just end up... Getting it wasn't it was just one like cooler after the other, and I'm instantly down uh, four hundred, very quickly. Uh, and then I, it was one of those ones where I crawl my way back to get a very slight profit of forty five dollars, but I was so happy to get back to even with a little bit of profit. I think I got it up to like eighty eighty dollars profit, and when it went back to forty five, I'm like, okay, I'm gone. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, if it dips back down again, that could really weigh on you, weigh on you mentally, right? Yeah, I mean, I know this isn't the way to look at it. I mean, this is looking at it from a gambler's perspective, but then an actual like positive EV poker player perspective. But I just have so many times where I get that I climb back out of that hole to get that little bit of profit to have some random massive cooler happen that. I, I don't know if you want to call it superstition or how you want to look at it, but I don't know. Uh, I enjoy taking that little bit of profit if it's been enough hours to justify and go ahead and calling it good. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really done that yet. I just, I don't know. I just get the cooler and go home broke. But <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I don't know. It, uh, I think whatever works for you, though, you know, to kind of keep your mental game together. Let me just say, keep doing that. I mean, there's no rules saying you have to stay a certain amount of time, so. There was a weird thing. I mean, you would talk about one of the weirdest goddamn things that have ever happened at a poker table. So there's this guy to my left, and he's, like, watching poker on his phone. And I was like, okay, well, this guy's probably pretty decent. You know, those people are usually kind of into poker, not playing too many hands. But... I started to think he was kind of weird when he did this one thing where he he would kind of complain about every move that everybody made against him and all that. And I was like, uh. and then he does, then he wants to see somebody's chips. But instead of, you know, what normal people would do, ask, like, you know, hey, can I, can you, can I want to see your chips or whatever. He does this, like, throws his arms up in the air and starts waving them around. 
like trying to get the guy to move his arms. And the dealer's like, is he doing like coming like kind of monkey dance or something like that? And then so I started to get that was this guy was kind of off. And then so we were playing for a little while after that, and this guy checks, but he checks. This is gonna be hard for a podcast, but he does check with his like thumb up and his like two fingers out, and does like a check. So almost like you're making a gun, but with two fingers and yeah, gun, like a like a gun with your hand, and you're touching your your two fingers to the table. Yeah. Okay. But now I found it weird. This guy calls the floor. And says that the guy's making gun signals at him, and that he's basically fearing for his life. Right, I could see that. <laughs> I mean, and I'm like, I mean, yeah, kind of, but I mean, it wasn't like he was like pointing it right at him. It was like, pow, I got you. I mean, it was like very much like a very regular check. And me and all the other players confirmed. He's like, I was like, I was like, dude, you know his finger. Those fingers aren't a real gun, right? <laughs> it was one of the weirdest damn things I've ever seen. Every time I go to Vegas, there's some kind of weird situation. That was definitely it. It's, yeah, I don't even know what to think, but it sounds like a good game. Yeah, it, yeah, it was. So I ended up taking uh, my little bit of profit from that uh, from that table. And then I think I'm going to take a break, and I've gotten to where I like the Venetian but I go and play there. I'm going to give people warning if you go into Venetian. $5 rake is pretty standard, but they also take a $2 jackpot. For jackpots that really favor just the locals. So I'm there 15 minutes or whatever. It's not a great game by any means. But I'll also notice they're taking $7 out of every pot. Like, it's a max $5 rake and a $2 jackpot. I'm like, this is... This is going to be... And I think the $5 rakes comes out if it goes to 50 But the $2 jackpot, I think, comes out almost automatically. Yeah, I mean, especially at Vegas, where I'm sure you were seeing a lot of limp pots. Right? So yeah. it's, like, not even that big of a pot to be taking that much out. So I quickly realized that this is just going to be a damn near unbeatable game. And I like the Venetian, but if you are going to rake it that hard, I mean, I don't, and I don't mind if it comes out of like the jackpot, like Golden Nugget has takes uh, money out for the jackpots, but it's a lot of stuff like quads, you get a jackpot, uh, any type of straight flush. So it's stuff you'll eventually see. So, I mean, you know, but I think Venetian, it was like a bunch of like, of oh, it goes to like free rolls for the locals and stuff like that. And I was like, eh. I can't be doing this. So after about 15 minutes, I go ahead and just get my chip. I get, like, I'm dead even. And I'm like, let me just call this a wash. And I went it, got my chips and went ahead and racked up. Yeah, I mean, at least you caught on. At least you didn't sit there and play for two hours and then realized. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, it was a... Uh, so we'll... Uh, and then I end up going to the win, which was by far... The most fun and best game I have been at. I mean, it's always great when you walk up to the table and everybody's doing a round of shots together. Wow. I mean, I guess this was the 2-5? <laughs> no, this was 1-3. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Tyler's like, this is a great 5-10 game. Yeah. But, I mean, it was a blast 
It was, uh, like, everybody at the table was very cool. And then there were, there's like two or three that weren't really doing the shots that were trying to actually play right, but they were kind of inexperienced. And then there were a couple, there was one drunk guy who, I mean, just handing money away. Clint's like, I was that drunk guy. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, and then sure enough, they're like, you want to? They do another round. They're like, do you want to do a shot? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm like, I'm not gonna be that guy who you know tries to make the table more serious. This is one of those things that I feel like every time I want to keep this atmosphere going. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, especially like in a game like that. I mean, yeah, as much trying to keep the game as fun as possible definitely lends to a better game. I think you actually make a killing in this game, though. Because, like, I was profitable, but there were a couple, like, you know, people really hitting at it for large pots that, I mean, like, I'd, I was having to call, like, 250 for, like, top pair, which, I mean, $300 in image. I mean, it's something I don't really like to do that much. I, I want it to be a bigger hand if I'm going to do that. But it took me a minute, and I let a couple hands go that I was probably good on. Whereas you're better at these light calls than I am. So I think you, like, I think you just mop up in this game. It was profitable for me, but like I say, I think I had to loosen up a lot. I mean, a lot in this game. <laughs> it's funny. I'm quote unquote better at these loose calls, which also have led to my demise. <laughs> <laughs> this is a table where I think it, where I think it helps out. <laughs> Maybe not so much the grinders over it where we've been playing, but it's a, uh, yeah, it really, like, there was a couple hands at the very begin at the very beginning I had to let go, because I was like, well, I don't know if this is a good spot for this, but l afterwards I was like, wait, and I saw what was going on with how they were playing, I was like, okay, no, these are, yeah, I need to go ahead and start making these calls. Nice. I mean, sounds action-packed at least. That was a profitable session for you, or... Yeah, I mean, it wasn't anything crazy. I mean, it was like another 300 It was $310, so, I mean, nothing crazy. But it was nice to go to a table where, you know, it was, uh, one, it was just, it was by far the most fun table of the trip. How much were you buying in for at that game? Uh, I think it was, I think it was only 300 I don't know, man. Like, whatever you say, it's not that much. I look at it as buy-ins. Anytime I gain a buy-in, I consider that a I mean, a very successful out timeout. Yeah, I guess so. I, I guess I, I mean it wasn't like anything crazy. Like I mean, yeah. Like I consider like crazy, like maybe a thousand dollars profit and more. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I was just for me whenever I'm looking when I consider a session good or bad, I just if I make a buy-in, I'm that's a pretty good session I would say. And then you know two buy-ins is you know really good. And then you know anything other than that is pretty crazy. Oh, if I could average this, I mean, I take it all goddamn day every day. <laughs> I mean, if I could just go every time, let me see how long was that session. Uh, I got there at two thirty in the morning and played till eight. Yeah, if I can just go ahead and play for less than six hours every time and make over three hundred dollars every time, a hundred percent, I take that all day every day. Right? No, absolutely. But I was just saying because I think a lot of people. You know, when they're looking at their their wins and losses, kind of sometimes forget that like, I mean, you want a whole another buy in. That's you know, it's a pretty big deal. I mean, oh yeah, no, a hundred percent. Uh, well, I you know, me and you kind of look at it. You look at it as in buy ins. I look at it as in if I averaged this amount, 
every time, would this be great? <laughs> See, I can't do that because whenever I was playing like the <laughs> 5, 10, 20, I'm like, I'm averaging a thousand an hour. All right, Clint, I quit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's that only to me is like a good session. Like if I would, I mean, even if it's only two hundred dollars, well, if I'm gonna make two hundred dollars every time, that's, I'd be fine with that. Right. Uh, now, obviously, you're not. You're gonna have losing. I mean, you're gonna have bigger winning sessions, and you're gonna have uh, sessions that are just you're just destined to lose. But like I say, if I'm on average, I'm usually pretty happy with it. So that was uh But yeah, uh, in I will say this. I mean, you want to talk about win being kind of my favorite poker room, if anything will solidify it, that will. Because, I mean, that's um, several times I've gone there where it was just the nicest poker room and the most enjoyable game. Yeah, I mean, like I said before, last time I went, I did not play. Like, the game I was at started off shorthanded and ended up being a big game, but it was okay. Yeah. Uh... Let me see. That next day, I ended up going to a whole bunch of different casinos just to kind of. I like the variety. I go to Golden Nugget, which was another. Like I enjoy it because outside of if you like the the fun bonuses and stuff like that, like if you hit quads, you get something straight flush. If you get like a royal flush of hearts, it was like three thousand dollars. Uh, you either have to go off the strip. Or to downtown. And off the strip, you're taking an Uber everywhere. Downtown, at least you can take the deuce bus and save a little bit. So I go down there. Golden Nugget, not the nicest of poker rooms by far. But it was kind of a fun game. Like I when like I say, a lot of times if you're playing right, you're folding a lot and all of that. So having those little side games, at least to me, makes it a little bit more fun. Can I, um, did you play with any cash on the table? Uh, only when I sold people chips. So it's a uh, there was a couple times I did that, but it was a uh, I hit quad aces for their ninety dollars, the ninety dollar uh, jackpot. So that was nice. That's super nice. And so ended up with a hundred thirty profit over there. Uh, the last day I go to the Orleans uh, off the strip. I sit down at cash and just, I mean, I was only there for like an hour and ended up over $300. And actually, I think I was up over like $500 profit at one point. It went down a lot. But I hit a set to somebody's overpair uh, and did that where I call, call, and then donk lead the river, which is a line you're really not supposed to do, but I just find it very profitable. Uh, and she called. It was a four-liner to a straight, and I think... It looked like I was trying to get her off of something. So I think it made it even more profitable. And then I hit an open-ender on the turn to a set. So that was obviously profitable. Very nice. So, uh, and that was that was pretty much the trip. I, I went and did the tournament, did nothing there, and came back and lost like $83 back in cash. Uh, but it was interesting. It was the first time I'd gone to Vegas and just on a solo trip. And it was, I will say, it was still pretty fun. Did you ever swing by the Luxor to go look at the casino and walk around? I know you said you were thinking about that. I always like going by there, and I think it's, because I think it's so cool. Uh, This trip just did not get the chance. I didn't get, it being a three-day trip versus like my normal seven-day trip, 
I didn't do a lot of things that I normally do just to kill time, like the Luxor, go around, look at their like the video game place. Uh, I didn't go to the Pinball Hall of Fame, which I usually go to when I'm in Vegas. Uh, it being such a quick trip, I think, is a uh, it was kind of a different... Oh, and I will say to anybody listening, if you travel a lot for poker, get the TSA pre-check or the clear. I did that for the first time. That's amazing. Oh, yeah, I've done it a few times. It's been pretty quick. I mean... Super nice. It feels like you're just walking to the gate to me. Yeah, I mean, because I know whenever... Uh... My girlfriend takes a TSA pre-check. They normally have their own metal detector and stuff mm-hmm. and, like, thing to scan. When you do clear, you ba- they basically just walk you and cut you in front of everybody. It's kind of awkward. That's what you told me. and I was, But I will say, like, at night, they had a lot of the clear people around. In the TSA pre-check, you go through the regular security line because there's really nothing. And then you just don't have to take off your shoes and all that. So during the day, the TSA pre-check was really nice. Uh, so... I mean, it was a, uh, like I say, it was a good, fun trip. I wish if they didn't have the mask mandate still on, I'd be definitely taking quite a few more. I'll have to see how I feel. I mean, I definitely, there definitely might be another trip coming in the next month or so. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, What about you? Did you do any playing while I was traipsing the globe? (laughs) Yeah, I did. I, uh, so I went and I played at Legends and I, played almost no hands at all that was great i was just sitting there bored out of my mind (laughs) um like i flopped a flush with five six and the flop was eight nine i was like i have a seven for a gut shot straight flush and um i folded of course hit the flush on the river would have been good that was sad um wait you folded here this seems like almost like a nut i mean if you're playing five six suited and you hit a flush draw with a gutter it seems like this i don't know what the hell it would take to get me off of this um probably an all-in and a call so mm, yeah i guess <laughs> if it's an all-in and a call for a lot of money i mean you're kind of if it's a a bigger flush draw you're just you're drawing basically dead yeah i mean i don't remember i remember i folded i remember all the money went in on the turn and I was like, "Well, this is less than ideal." And then, oh, so you did call the flop bet? Yeah. And oh, okay. And then the turn comes, you miss. You only have one more straight. Okay, that makes more sense to me. Yeah, and um, I would have been good, but that was all right. Um, I had one weird hand where some guy tried to angle me, where I had king ten, and the flop came two ten two uh, two kings, and um. I bet it all the way down, and then some guy tried donking into me for a big amount. So one guy donks, other guy calls. I debate raising. There's no flush, and I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe like, but then I was like, what other kings could call? And what else? What am I hoping to get called by? This is this to me is a very clear cut call for me, depending on the board. I mean, because I mean, king king with a big bet and a call. I mean, I'm worried about King Jack, King Queen, Ace King. I was, so I called. And um, this is that one drunk guy. He said he had a boat, so I went to Muck after showing my hand. He's like, oh, I don't have a boat. I don't have anything. And um, the other guy had nothing, too. Oh, wow. Both guys who end up I playing hand with later, who, you know, big bet, over pot, calls over pot, I call. They end up uh, both having nothing, so. Oh, wow. Okay. So then this leads us to the next hand, 
Um, I get pocket jacks. I make it 30 pre-flop. I get four callers. The flop comes six, eight, three. I bet a hundred. And that guy who had just called earlier. How much was the pot? Oh, yeah, so it was about a hundred twenty dollar pot. I think you said yeah. thirty. Okay, yeah. hundred into hundred twenty. Okay, I like this. Um, guy jams for two hundred and fifty more. Okay, what are you doing here? And obviously there was no calls in between on the hundred. It was I bet a hundred. He was next to act. He made uh, three fifty total. I don't know, man. Every time, is there a flush draw out there? Um, no. I think maybe just fold. I I don't know. Like every time this is an over, uh, I do this an over pairing. I'm trying to justify nines, tens, or something like that. I mean, it just it seems like a set every time, especially. I mean, well, especially where I was in Vegas, but just everywhere it seems like. Well, let me give you some backstory to this player because I made the call. Okay. And it was a set, and okay. I lost. But <laughs> <laughs> Tyler's like, but I'm going to try to justify it right let here. Me, let me try to sell you on this first. This is also a player who earlier the flop came nine high. He had ace nine stacked off with nine, which is not a top pair, which ended up not even being top pair. Okay. And, um, you know, lost a gigantic amount on that. And then before I had, I was in the big blind. And I had um, queen nine, and the flop came uh, jack ten. So I was open-ended, right? Okay. First drunk guy goes all, I bet, first drunk guy goes all in. This guy re-jams on me. I fold, drunk guy calls. They both had eight nine for a nine high to be a chop pot. Eight nine offsuit. What was, what was the flop again? Jack ten. Like deuce. Okay, so it was, they just had open ended. Yes. Okay. So, whatever he goes all in there, I was just kind of like, well, he could have top hair again. I don't know. I didn't see him having a set there every time. He did. Um, I mean, it doesn't mean that it's a bad call in the long run. I mean, if it's a crazy player and he does that, I mean, because if, okay, let's say hands he would do this with 5 7. Uh, nine seven would be a one that he'd possibly do this with. Tens, or I mean, it sounds like top pair, like ace eight or something. So I mean, this is probably a good call in the long run. Versus this particular player, I think so. But yeah, I mean, and the worst part is like literally the next hand he has ace nine suited and goes all in and loses all the chips and leaves. Oh wow! So that was a bummer. Um, uh, all in preflop. Uh, so then after that. Oh, so what do you think about that guy saying he had a boat? I mean, this is pretty, I don't know. Like, I just feel like these people are, like, the 52 Social and Legends crowd, I think it's such a shitty thing to do. But it seems like these people are just trying to angle all the goddamn time. That's what it seems like, right? <laughs> I mean, like, it, it pisses me off, but I don't know. Like, after the fifth, 17th time that this has happened, it seems like, especially to you, it just seems, I don't know. It seems like that crowd is just a crappy crowd. I don't, I don't have no idea. Well, so after that uh, jacks to a uh, set, I was not doing great, and I did not buy in that deep, so I was pretty short stack now. I'm about 300, 350. Okay. I get 
six seven suited. I flop one pair with a backdoor flush draw. I turn the other pair. So someone bets into me. Um, I call. Heads up. I turn two pair. But the two pair, it brings 10-8 would have been a straight. Okay. But, I mean, it was also a gut shot, you know. What was the flop? I mean, you, I am really lost here. Uh, I mean, once I tell you the rest of the story, I mean, you'll understand why I didn't jot it down. Okay. But um, it was basically, um, let me think. So if 8-10 if was a straight, so it was 6 Seven nine, so it would have been six nine, six nine like low card. Okay, and then I had a backdoor flush draw. I turned two pair, but then so, but then the board was. The so uh, six seven nine would make you two pair with a straight being eight ten. Yes, right? that that was it. Okay, so then she bets, I re raise, um, pretty big, because there was a flush draw. Available now. Okay. She then re-jams. But I mean, for me, it's kind of like... Uh, well, no, I think I jammed on her, actually. She bet. I raised... Oh, yeah, yeah. So I basically put committed myself. She jams all in, which is just a easy call for me because all my chips are basically... I mean, it's like 80 bucks more now at this point. Okay. I call. She turns over 10-8 offsuit for the drilled gut shot. I'm like, ooh. And then... River, a seven for a boat. Oh, God. So I'm collecting these chips, right? I look down, I have ace king. Okay. The very next hand. The chips aren't even stacked yet. Gotcha. Um, I'm. It goes like 20, call, call. I bump it up to 75. The drunk guy to my left who can't put sentences together tries to call the 20. He puts a chip in, realizes it's 75. And then it was like, oh, okay. So then puts in 75, right? Okay. One other guy calls. The flop comes ace four, deuce rainbow. Checks to me, obviously. I'm like, well, whatever I'm against, I should be way ahead here, right? Yes. There's not a lot. I mean, I mean, we're looking at, you have dominated aces that you're way ahead of. You're having, you know, undercards that I mean can hit a pair. Yeah, you should be way ahead here. So odd, so, that's weird. After like five episodes ago, I was like, you slow places, what you get. But I check, so I'm thinking I have, should have everyone in pretty good, bad shape here. Okay, yeah. That's what I was thinking, and then I was going to hammer the turn and just take it down, hopefully. So there's two play- There's two other players in this pot? Yes. Okay, I got you. Um, the turn is a 10, bringing in a flush draw. I bet 250, then I get jammed on by the drunk guy for 500 more. God almighty. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I mean, he didn't try... He. Didn't mean to call the 75. Did he just hit ace-10? And I was like, well, I mean, I have that blocked with ace-king. And then I was like, could he be trying to bluff with... I mean, I saw him put all the money in with nothing before. Could this be like a low pair and a flush draw? You're thinking maybe ace-queen, ace-jack? Could easily see any of that. I mean, obviously I mean, ace-10 is your main concern. 
Right, and then he had already said earlier that if he has ace jack, he's never folding when he flops an ace. Because he was blown away that somebody laid down ace jack to ace queen. And he's like, so, I don't know. And I mean, I was like, well, I don't know. So, he, uh, so what, what do you do here? I mean, I hate getting the money in for, you know, nearly 300 big blinds with just one pair. I mean, against this particular player, probably a call. I mean, because I'd seen him just shove all in over and over again. So I'm like, I mean, I mean, I folded ace-jack to him pre-flop whenever he raised, you know, three-bet me pretty gigantic. And I was like, well... I guess I'm just going to call. So I call. He had uh, turned a set of tens. <laughs> I actually, uh, what is it? Like river to king. I was like, oh, <laughs> too oh, bad. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so that was no good. I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things that if somebody, I mean, we have talked about this before and I didn't really care for the way you played it, but I don't think it changes anything either. Because I still think a, I think on a pot that big, a down bet on the flop would be good. But we both agreed that he's calling that flop bet regardless. For sure. And then he's just turning it on there. Uh, I think... Now, I, I don't know about this. On the turn bet, I would like a... Because it was a gigantic turn bet of pot size when there's not that much out there. I think I like a half pot. And then if he jams it on you, maybe it's a fold. But I don't know. I mean, it's kind of a the when you're playing against these guys, the variance is just so off the charts. Well, I mean, here's the other thing is, I mean, I'm against the two guys I want to be against. That's why you size up because they never fold. Right. But I mean, you know. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If if the craziest, drunkest guy at the table hits two outers on you, it's not going to be a good night for you. Right, because, I mean, like we said, maybe, you know, if in a normal situation against a normal player, that would be a fold. Oh, a normal player, this is, I think, a fold almost all day. There's not that many draws out there. Uh, I mean... Because, I mean, just most players aren't putting almost $1,000 in there with ace-queen. I mean, ace, not even best kicker. I mean, if that's what you're hoping for from a normal player, not going to happen very often. I mean, you're you're going to find yourself getting stacked for, you know, $800 way more than you find yourself ahead. Uh, but when it's a crazy drunk guy, yeah, I mean, obviously you have to adjust your range. It's just a matter of how much. Well, I just had a hard time just because, I mean... You just keep going all in over and over again. I mean, is this the luckiest player alive to my left? I mean, did I just pick the wrong seat? Yeah. Uh, I mean, can can you just keep going all in on everyone over and over again? Uh, you can. I mean, <laughs> like... <laughs> this man has proved it. <laughs> well, no, but then I mean, like, then when he gets called, just have nine high. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like I say, when you're up against that player and that player hits a two-outer, I'm not sure what you... I mean, you're just kind of in a... I mean, just not great. I mean, if it's a normal player, it's Ace King's very strong here. And when you check the flop and showing weakness, I mean, you're checking that flop to disguise your hand. Even a normal player, I will say, even a normal player, this becomes difficult because when you check the flop, 
now all of a sudden they feel like you don't have an ace. They could actually be making a move here. With like nine ten or something, but yeah. Yeah, it's a... Uh, I mean, I don't think they do, but... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Once, once you do that, you kind of are committing yourself to having to call some of these bluffs, right? I mean, that's the point, right? That when yeah. you do that and you're trying to induce, I mean, you have to be aware of what you're inducing, right? Yeah, because, I mean, if you're trying to, you know, fake like you don't have an ace, and then, you know, when somebody puts you to the test, I mean, if there's a way to get ace-queen to kind of commit to that, that would be the way, right? I mean, that was the plan. Yeah. I mean, but, I mean, all good plans, you know, come to an end. <laughs> well, I mean, if people hit two outers, I mean, it doesn't, you could plan all all day, every day. It's not going to help. <laughs> Here's what your plan should be, to be the guy hitting two outers. <laughs> right? So. Uh, I don't know, man. It's, uh, that's, it's very hard, because, I mean, we talked about this before, and I'm like, when you're trying to analyze, like, r reasonable play, but it's against kind of unreasonable players, it's very hard to do. I mean, I think those are just kind of stuff where, those are situations where you just, you know. Right. I mean, like we always said, I mean, that's just like adjusting it and stuff, or adjusting your range versus who you're playing against. So, I mean, but then you said you also came and, I mean, that was basically all I played this week. It was a pretty long session, actually. I mean, I only had three three or four hands of note. Those were them. They were not that great of notes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, they were good notes. It's just not what I wanted to report back, but. I can see that. Uh, so I did play one other session. I went to a 101. I've been trying to give them some business to, uh, you know, uh, if you're a good poker room and I think you run it well, I'm going to try to give you business. Uh, well, but here's the other thing, too, is we need them to have business because we already saw what it was like when Legends was the only one in town. Well, yeah, everybody at Legends was... <sighs> the people in the poker community sometimes just throw me, man, because they were complaining about the prices that Legends started charging. I'm like, well... When y'all only went to one place and all the in the other place that was competition shut down, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah, so I mean, hundred percent. So people have to kind of realize that if you don't kind of spread your business around, I mean, we always say like one player doesn't make that big of a difference, but if I mean if everyone starts doing it a little bit, yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, if there if everybody goes to one spot, then. And these other and the competition shuts down. Then that one spot is not going to need to run the good deals to get everybody there because they're the only ones left. Uh, so I go there and I've kind of battled here and there, uh, and I end up finally getting like a profit of like um, not a big profit, a profit of like one seventy. And like I've already said, like I always look at it as average. If I average this every day, yeah, that's pretty good. So I'm thinking of leaving. It's Omaha Bomb Pot. So they deal me in, I'll look at it, I have pocket aces. It flop is ace six seven on one board. It's a bunch of Broadway cards, not an ace on the other board. So I've got an overpair on one and uh the nuts on the other. One guy goes all in for a hundred, another guy calls, I'm like, Can I get all my chips in on on this uh, deal? And they count, and they're like, well, you get like 450 And I'm like, okay, well, sounds good. Well, I put a stack out, and they're like, well, you didn't say pot. 
So that's a call. How big was the stack you put out there? I mean, they were stacks of 100, so I guess... I mean, I thought, okay, sounds good. I mean, I don't know. I thought that was kind of verbal. I mean, I don't always verbalize it. Uh, I guess it's a gray area. If somebody were doing this in mind, and I realize that that's exactly what they meant, and they someone says 450, and they're like, okay. I don't know. I, I would have let it go, but... I'm not going to sit there and argue in a gray area. And I was like, okay, fine. I'll just, uh, so you slid out a hundred dollars after saying, okay, sounds good. Right. I don't know, man. If there was, it's going to, there's ever a time to call the floor over. I mean, I know it doesn't, but I just mean just for clarification, maybe, but yeah, I mean, I probably should have called the floor, but, you know, I've got the nuts, and I was like, well, I, and then the guy's like, well, he's all in, so we can just check it down. I'm like, it's going all in on the turn. Oh, that sounds good. Uh, so, and you could tell there's a lot of people that want to call behind me, but they know what's about to happen. And I'm like, so they, everybody folds. The turn is a deuce, making none of the uh, sh- straights that were available on the top board, so I still have the complete nuts. I turn a set of aces on the other, but now there's four broad- Broadway cards out there. He checks to me. I go all in, just like I said. Well, I think I could get 360 in there or something. I, I put the max out. Right, pot. Yeah, it's a, uh, he calls, and I'm like, it's 6-7 on the board. I'm like, oh, God, please don't be a 10 that makes the open-ended straight. Uh, please don't make a be a 3 that makes the open-ended straight. I'm like, just pair the board on both. <laughs> uh. And sure enough, seven comes that pairs the board. I'm thank, thank you, sweet Jesus. Uh, and then the other card is just a nothing over on the bottom. So then he flips over his cards. He's like, "Well, there's no reason for you to bet because I was and I was about to bet." I will say, he's like, "I got quads on one board and a straight on the other." It took me over a minute because I mean I had I already had figured I had this locked up to gather what the hell he said. Right, because didn't he say like I have everything locked up or something? And yeah, he's yeah. like I have everything on every uh, on every board, and I'm like, huh? And I'm like, because I mean I got pretty close to nuts here, <laughs> and then he shows and he's us and he hit quad sevens to hit a one outer on the top board and has the nut straight on the bottom board, and I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, like I'm not on a downswing anymore, but I mean. One out, one out in the goddamn deck, and he finds it. I was, was pretty tilted after that. <laughs> yeah, pretty bummed. Yeah, that one outers that'll do it to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was, and I mean, especially on a pot. And I mean, granted, this is the most results oriented thing, but I had thought of just go ahead and locking up the profits and calling it good. And I was literally in the presence of doing it, and <laughs> to get killed on that pot where somebody hits a one outer. I mean, you could say ninety eight percent of the time that I mean I make a a pretty big profit on this on this hand, and that you know you can't go on that. But guess what? This was not that. This was that two percent. Well, but really. Most of the time, you're not going to make a big profit, right? You were going to chop it. 
Well, I mean, yeah, the guy's hundred dollars. So you make fifty dollar profit. Yeah, it wouldn't be a, a huge profit, but it was a hundred. It would have been a hundred split, and then let's say eighty dollars for the bomb pot preflop. So I mean, a hundred eighty, ninety dollars. And I mean, here's the thing: is he has one out to scoop it. Uh, I had, you know, ten outs to actually scoop this. I mean, if that if the bottom board pairs and he doesn't hit quads. <laughs> Then, then it's a gigantic pot. It's a gigantic, gigantic <laughs> pot. Uh, so it was that was really hurtful. I mean that that sent me that sent me off the rail on tilt. I think I think actually you know that's I'm still on tilt from it. <laughs> you no, know, I could see that. Um, was that your last session of the week? Uh, I played at College Station and last night, and I think I was on tilt still from it because I played like complete garbage. <laughs> Say, but I want to know, why don't you ever call me when you go do these sessions? Yeah, no kidding. It'd be super profitable if I let you know when exactly how tilted I am and where I'm playing when. Uh, you want to talk about end of downswing, that'll do it for you. Uh, I played bad. I was calling three bets I shouldn't be calling. Uh, making folds when I shouldn't be folding. Calling big bets when I shouldn't be calling. I mean, it was, it was a bloodbath, and it was not unlucky. It was, well... <laughs> to be fair, I mean, the guy hit a gut gutter when I flopped two pairs, so I guess that's unlucky. But, I mean, I paid off a bigger bet than I needed to also on giving him. I mean, you sh I shouldn't be giving him that good of implied odds. Yeah, but, I mean, I feel like everyone's been there and done that, right? No, uh, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess on that note, that kind of, yeah, unless you have anything else to cover. No, uh, good trip to Vegas, and like I say, uh, I'll be playing more this week. I'm still, I'm really trying to work on getting the appropriate hours in, so we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, I'm looking on turning this year around. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it, I believe. <laughs> All right, this will conclude episode 43 of the Texas Poker Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time, and we'll see you next week.